Today's topic is suffering. Nobody's like, woo, let's suffer for Jesus, you know. But you know what? By the end of the message, I hope that you'll be like, it's okay. I can walk through that. It's going to be okay because God's walking through it with me. It's like the guys in the fiery furnace, right? There was three. Why weren't they burned? Why weren't they touched? God chose to do a miracle. And Jesus came down and he walked with them in the furnace. Who's up for that? I want that. But that takes standing for what's right and being willing to die whether God saves you or not. That's what that takes. That takes willingly suffering for the cause of Christ. All right, let's get into it. So, today, courage to suffer well. 1 Peter 4. Open your Bibles to 1 Peter 4. Courage to suffer well. Suffering is one thing. We've all done it. But courage to suffer well is another thing. Now, our church went from 600 to 60. I don't talk about it a lot because I don't want to bring up pain from the past. But this is a great example. Our church went from 600 to 60, and I got roasted. But I didn't handle that suffering well. And therefore, it hurt worse, right? And the result wasn't as good. Let me be your example in a negative way of how not to suffer well. And then, go to the other side, let Jesus be your perfect example of what it looks like to suffer well. When reviled, did not revile in return. Boom. I was like, we should answer that email. Our our elders, good guys, were like, yeah, I don't think so. No, but I mean, I mean, we wrote letters. Never sent them. But we wrote letters, right? Because I wanted to lawyer up. That's wicked. I don't need to lawyer up, and neither do you. You know what we need? Surrender. Yield. Not to Satan, not to evil forces. We resist them. More to come. But we yield to the Holy Spirit. Because if The Holy Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness right after his baptism in the Spirit. Then guess what might happen to us? Maybe he wants to take us on a journey to take us deeper so that we can minister in a more powerful way. Maybe take the maybe out. Yes, he does. He wants that for us. All right, so here it is. Uh, look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. We read some of it already. Thank you, Mikael, and the rest of you guys that read. I just felt like there was a lot of scripture that had to do with suffering, and we needed to read it. I didn't want to read it all, so you've already got that in worship. In worship. When I say in worship, can I just correct myself right now? We're worshiping right now. When we were doing that worship earlier in music and then in the scripture reading, then, thank you. All right, now we're worshiping in a different way. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial. 
It's like Peter's being a prophet. He knows his death's coming. Jesus predicted it in John 21. He knows his death's coming. He knows what it's going to be. But he also has this sense that there's a fiery trial not just coming on him, but on the whole church. When it comes upon you to test you, circle that in your Bible. As though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice. Circle that in your Bible. Rejoice in so far as you share in Christ's sufferings. That you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Circle that. Blessed. Rejoice. Why? Because you're blessed when you suffer for Jesus Christ. Because the spirit of glory, and some versions say, and power, and of God, rests upon you. Do you want God upon you? I do. You want the Holy Spirit in full power? I do. He says, you know what? Woo! Go like that when you slam your finger in something, right? Because it's like God's coming. Be blessed. He's going to be with you. He's the comforter. He's coming. But let no one, not one of you, suffer as a murderer what should a murderer get? Capital punishment, right? That's what the Bible says. Old Testament, not new, just so we're clear. As a thief, what should a thief get? Old Testament. You steal, what happens? Chop your hand off. Woo! Sounds harsh. That would be suffering. Hopefully you don't bleed to death. Or as an evildoer, let's just round it out. Or as a meddler. Ooh, we got into the Christian realm, didn't we? We just took it to gossip and slander and little murmuring and grumbling. And it's so hard. And why can't it be easier? Yeah, meddler. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, you suffer because you follow Christ. You're a little Christ. You're the following the way of Jesus, let him not be ashamed. Don't be ashamed to suffer for Jesus' name. Do not be ashamed to suffer for Jesus' name. I could have suffered well. I could have not been ashamed. We were doing good work. That was my fault. But let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. When is he writing this? It was a long time ago. Judgment already began at the house of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome? For those who do not obey the gospel of God, what's the outcome? Everybody know what the outcome is for those who don't obey the gospel? What's the outcome? We could say it in a loving way. It's hell. It's separation from God for eternity. It's hell. And if 
The righteous is scarcely saved, quoting a, a passage. What will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Now, where do you fall in those three words? Righteous, ungodly, sinner. What are you? Okay, everybody get one of those things in your head or play the D card. Okay, good job, Buzz. Okay, so everybody get the, uh, one of those things and we're all going to say it together. You're either righteous, you're ungodly, or you're a sinner, or you say all of the above. Okay? One, two, three. Righteous. Right? So, I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer, but I'm telling you this. You think you're a sinner. You think you're ungodly. But if you're saved in Jesus Christ, what matters most is what God thinks of you. And he says, when I look at you, I see righteousness. Yeah, that's good news in the middle of suffering. I like that. That felt good all of a sudden. Woo, I needed that. All right. Righteousness. That is what God sees in you if you believe in Christ. If you work out your salvation with fear and trembling. If you're not ashamed when suffering comes because you love Jesus. Let us finish. Therefore... Let those who suffer, not if, let those who suffer, according to God's will, it's God's will? Yep. Entrust their souls to a faithful creator. Did you know you can trust God? Even when you're suffering. While doing good. Keep doing what you're supposed to be doing, which is good. Ah, Again, that's my negative example. Instead of keeping doing good, what I tried to do was protect myself, right? And that isn't suffering well. Okay, now we've got it. I'm going to give you three keys to suffering well. First key, recognize that suffering is a test of my faith. I want you to recognize that suffering is a test of my faith. Here's the thing. Who likes tests? Raise your hand. David, come on. Be honest in church. You know where liars go? <laughs> to heaven if they're saved, David. All right. Okay. Who likes tests? Anybody? Okay, David, uh, maybe Eric. Uh, got some nerds over here. All right. I actually like tests. I'm very slow at them. I was the last person done in college every time when the teacher would make us stay you could feel the like lasers on you because you're still taking the test and everybody's like what's wrong with you that's why I hate tests there's a good reason right I'm slow all right but here's the thing testing is good there's a teacher he's the Holy Spirit let's just take it spiritual right away and he's teaching you lessons God lessons that are going to help you be more like Jesus. And God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit want to know if you're actually internalizing. They do know, but they want you to know if you're actually internalizing the lesson you're trying to learn and they're trying to teach you. And so that testing helps you see what they already see, that you're not where you thought you were. 
That's what's happening. And you need to recognize it. It's not wrong. It's not bad. It's just a test. Okay, Exhibit A. I was here Friday because we had trouble with the internet. Uh, they inadvertently locked our computer out. And uh, so here, while I was here Friday, I was waiting for two hours for the tech guy to come. That could be called suffering, but, you know, I just did some work. And then I started praying through the auditorium, and here's what happened. I saw these up here, and I was like, you know what? These are kind of a mess. We should get these put away. You know, they fold down nice and compact. And I was like, you know, I'll just help them by cleaning it up. And I read the directions on the back. There's more directions, I'm sure, because these are not good. And it says lower. And so to lower it, I thought, I'll just turn this knob, which I'm not going to do again. And the amount of pressure after two unknowing turns was more than my hand could hold. And before I had the common sense to release it, it released itself and came back and smacked my hand very hard a few times. <laughs> now here's the thing. We call that suffering. I'm in the middle of studying suffering. Thank you, God, for the illustration. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Whenever you're going to talk about something, you're like, ah, this is bad. Luckily, it's not a broken leg. All right. Luckily, it's not a broken or amputee finger. It came back that fast. I mean, it cut me deep. I got Band-Aids on, right? It didn't feel good. You kind of go into shock, bruising, and whatnot. And you know what the first thing I said was? God, I'm sorry. Like, maybe I wasn't supposed to do that. Maybe I wasn't following you. Maybe you wanted me to continue to pray rather than get busy with my hands. Why did I have that response? Because I believed that that was a punishment. Do you see that? you got to clean up your theology. See, I grew up in Old Testament theology, where God is angry, and he's going to kill people and punish people. God does get angry. Let's not say he doesn't. Jesus flipped tables in the temple and he cleared out. Why? Because they were doing something they shouldn't be doing in a holy place, right? All right. Anyway, God does get angry. But you know what? I had had a fabulous time with the Lord in the morning. I was full of the Spirit. Far as I know, God and I were really in a tight spot. There's really no reason for me to feel like God was angry with me. Matter of fact, God was having a great day. Smiling ear to ear. I think when I did my thing and twisted that thing and smacked myself, me, God allowing me to be me and have dominion, not very well. I think God grieved. I think God was sad that I hurt myself. 
now that I think about it, I know he was sad. And had pity for me that I didn't think through that (laughs) with his wisdom. (laughs) The point is, we think a lot of weird things about suffering. Here's what you need to take. Here's the key to suffering well. You need to recognize that suffering is a test of your faith. That was a test of my faith. That's it. Just a test. God's like, hey, we've been pretty tight today. You're going to do some stupid stuff, but I'm going to use it for your good. I'm going to test you. And now I'm like, oh. I got some wrong theology about suffering. I don't want to bring that into this message. I'd rather teach good theology about suffering, right? I don't want to bring the Old Testament in. I don't bring the New Testament in. All right, let's keep going. Beloved, do not be surprised by the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Don't be surprised. It's a test of your faith. Okay, verse 3, or verse 13. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings so that you may rejoice and be glad when, you, when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, that happens, you are blessed. Why am I blessed, God? It feels like a curse, God. He's going to explain it to you. He's not going to leave you hanging. Because the spirit of glory and power and of God rests upon you. Woo! Let me tell you what happened to me. The church went from 600 to 60. And I received the spirit in a greater measure. I'm not having a bad day. I'm sorry for everything that happened and all that went wrong and blah, blah, blah. I've owned that ten times. But i got to tell you, at the end of the day, when you look back, you've got to celebrate something like that. That's a blessing, not a curse. Our church is blessed right now. Our church is deeper than it's ever been, more spirit-filled than it's ever been, and heading to even deeper waters. Let's go. And if it takes more suffering for us to get there, I'm in. And I wouldn't have said that two years ago. I'm in. Let's go. All right, so here's the second key. Rejoice, because my suffering brings blessing. The first thing you saw here in the passage is You can now identify with Christ. You get to be like, dude, he was nailed. Arm down. Did they have to hold him? Nope. He's like, here you go. Here's the other one. You want to know why the centurion was like, surely this is the man of God? Because of the way he suffered. Because of the way he died. You want to know how we Christians are going to make a difference in this evil world? Because of the way we suffer and die. That's how. You read Fox's book of martyrs? People are dying at the stake. People are being burned. And people are coming to Christ as they watch people die. 
Yes. And we're like, I wish my neighbor would come to Christ. Right? I wish my friend would come to Christ. Well, are we ready? Because if we suffer well and walk through the tribulation and trouble, maybe they'll come to Christ. Maybe they'll go, what's wrong with you? What's different with you? I need that. I'm not sure we walked through COVID better than anybody else. That stung just a bit, didn't it? But if we get a chance to walk through something like that again, we need to do it better. And I'm not condemning. Like, you might have walked through it really well. Praise the Lord. I'm saying we as in the church of Christ. Felt like some people just put up their middle finger, you know, at the authorities. Felt like other people just caved in and said, God who? Extremes usually are that way. Somewhere in the middle of holding to your conviction for freedom in Christ and submitting to your authority, which the Bible clearly teaches, that's a thin line. That we are supposed to walk, not on our own, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. Aren't you glad God gave us the Holy Spirit so we can walk that line? And do it in a happy way with a smile on our face? Rejoicing that we are counted to suffer with Christ, to identify with Jesus? He's our example. He identified with us by putting on flesh. You can go to, I'm not going to go there, but you can go to Philippians chapter 2. He had the mind of Christ, right? Right? Well, we want to have the mind of Christ, right? He took off. He's like, here, I'll put this aside. I'm going to become human. That's gross for God. And he's like, well, you know, it's okay. I'm not, I'm, I haven't sinned, so that's feeling good. And then, and then he's like, and I'll become obedient to death, death on a cross. Not because of my sin, because I want to erase your sin. He identified with us. He put our sin on him. And you know what he gives us in exchange? He put our sin on him, and he's like, in exchange, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put myself on you in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to put myself on you while you put your sin on me. That's a good trade. You can be happy about that. Rejoice because my suffering brings blessing. So, the second thing there, identify with Jesus, helped by the Spirit of God, by His power and His glory. Again, I want to, I've been reading so many books. Let me just read this for you. Grace is God doing for us by the Holy Spirit what we cannot do for ourselves. We cannot succeed without the grace of God. Can I get an amen? But we try. But we do try. This highlights the fact that the very essence of the Christian living in life is supernatural. If you think you could do this in your own strength, you're wasting your time. And you're wondering why it's not going well. I, I, I have felt that way. Many of us are tempted to fall into Old Testament Christianity. Kind of what I've described already. Let me describe it a little bit more. To fully understand the new covenant, we must understand 
the Holy Spirit and what he does. The old covenant, which was characterized by the law given to Moses, was a set of external commands. The new covenant is about Christ's anointing death and resurrection from the grave, followed by the sending of the Holy Spirit to work inside of us in grace and power. No one disagreed with the covenant or the, uh, the content of the old commands. They had been written with the finger of God himself. Okay, nobody's questioning like whether God wrote the Old Testament. But no matter how many times people came up to the altar and promised to try to obey, they repeated, that repeatedly fell short. Does that sound like anybody's Christian life? Then maybe you're living in an Old Testament world, in an Old Covenant world. Thank God that he sent the Holy Spirit at last to bring the real change within us who have received Christ as Savior and Lord. When God puts his laws into our minds by his spirit, he reshapes our very thinking. When he writes them on our hearts, he affects our very, the very springs of desire and longing. You don't want that anymore. You want this. It might happen gradually. It doesn't always have to happen in an instant. We like fast food Christianity. But the Holy Spirit takes his time to change you. Don't be ashamed if you're sinning. Bring the sin to the light. It's a test of your faith. Be genuine in your faith. Be honest about where you're at and move forward in your faith. Grace covers it. We no longer regard you according to the flesh. We regard you according to the spirit. That is the drum we're going to keep beating in this church. That is going to fill this place with people who are hungry for something different than Old Testament Christianity. The power to be different comes from heaven, not from our own strength. The Holy Spirit was given, as his name implies, so that we can live a holy life for God. Any other source or system, no matter how religious sounding, is a fraud that leads to defeat due to the fleshly impulses of our own sinful nature. Jeez, this is really good. The Holy Spirit's power is not an option for those who desperately want to be like Christ. You want to identify with Christ? Yeah. The Holy Spirit's the only answer. We must get delivered from the idea so prevalent around us that Christianity begins with a supernatural new birth. Sin is erased. The conscience is cleared, cleansed. But then it's up to us to try real hard to be good and obey God's commands. No. It is God's work from beginning to end. Just as forgiveness can only come through Christ's work on Calvary, daily living for the Lord can only be done through the Spirit. Bam! I couldn't say it better, so I read it. Jim Cimbala. More power, fresh power. Rejoice because my suffering brings blessing. Last thing. Recommit myself to trusting God while doing good. Recommit myself to trusting God while doing good. It's a test. It challenges us. Do I trust God? Am I going to keep doing good? Because see, when suffering comes, sometimes we stop doing good and we stop trusting God. That's the natural default for most people. 
But what I'm saying is we need, this is a key to suffering well. We need to recommit to trusting God. I was in the midst of the darkest days of my life in May 2020. And I literally had to go, I thought God hated me. I thought, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. I'm Esau, you hate me. Just being honest. I thought, and God reminded me, no, 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 I love you. And you can trust me, because this isn't done yet. The crushing connects us more closely to God. That's what it does. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you're truly crushed by sin, not your own, maybe sometimes your own too, it brings you closer to God. It makes you more dependent on Him. So you recommit yourself to trusting God and to continue to do what's right. You're like, well, what's right? I don't know. What, what's good? Well, he has some lists here. <laughs> right underneath, he says, I'll, I'll, I wrote it down in a graph for you, so let, let me just get to it. Here's what's good. Chapter 4, verse 7. Self-controlled, sober-minded. Verse 8. Keep loving. Verse 9. Show hospitality. Verse, verse 10. Received a gift, a speaking or a serving gift from the Holy Spirit. Use it to serve. Those are good things. I just took this chapter. I didn't go anywhere else, right? All right. 4-9. Grumbling. That's bad. I mean, clearly. He's making a comparison. Chapter 4, verse 3, sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, lawless idolatry. You're like, well, I don't participate in that. And then you get to lawless idolatry, and you're like, I don't even know what I do. You know? Lawless idolatry. That's basically everything. That's like my whole day. Oh, I like that food. Oh, I like that phone. Oh, I like feeling good. Oh, I like, I like, I like, I like. What does God want? That's what I need to think about, right? That's a change in thinking. So go back to chapter 1 here, or chapter 4, verse 1. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourself. I couldn't bring a gun into school or I would have done it. Arm yourself. Get your bullets loaded. Right? You're like, well, how do I do that? I'm supposed to buy a gun? No, no, that's not it. Arm yourself with the same way of thinking. The thinking of God. Suffering, it's a test. It's a test of your faith. That's what God says it is. That's what God thinks it is. That's what he wants you to think. Rejoice. In your suffering. And again I say rejoice. God's mind for suffering. You know. Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. He was like God. Father I don't want to do this. But he yielded. He said but not my will but yours be done. And he died suffering well. 
And then recommit myself to trusting God while doing good. Jesus didn't stop doing good. He ate dinner with the guy that was going to portray him and another guy who was going to deny him. He kept doing good up to the last minute. And when he came back from the dead, he kept doing good again. There's so much more I want to say. You can read chapter 5 today. There's a lot there that will help you as well. When it's hard, what to do, and what to look for. God will restore you. God will confirm you. God will strengthen you. God will establish you. That's what it says in chapter 5. You can trust God because God will do these things after you've suffered for a little while. And might I remind you that a little while with God is different than a little while with you. Right? Just in case in this lifetime you don't get that, it's okay. Because our life is like a breath. It is a little while in God's economy. So when eternity comes, Glory for me. When by his grace I will look on his face, that will be glory. It'll be glory for me. I don't want to wait for someday when I can have that kind of relationship with Jesus today through the power of the Holy Spirit. The only way you're going to be able to suffer well in this world is through the new covenant where Jesus doesn't just save you and let you go until he comes back, but he saves you and he empowers you with the Holy Spirit so that you can have that intimate relationship through all the crushing things you're going to go through until he returns for ultimate victory. Let's pray. God, thank you so much your word it is quick it is powerful it's sharper than any two-edged sword it pierces it's pierced my heart this week i pray that it will pierce the heart of your people that we will walk gladly into suffering not because of our own sin but because of your namesake because this world hates you you said that in john 15 you said the world hates you but in John chapter 16, when you closed up your upper room discourse, you said, in this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, take courage, literally. I have overcome the world. Hallelujah. You said it, Jesus. We believe it, and we now sing it. To your honor and glory. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen.